What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 101. So happy you could tune in. Seriously, means a lot to me. Um, it's crazy doing this social distancing thing uh, because, um, and I'm not going to harp on this for too long because I have talked about it quite extensively, and I'm pretty sure we're all sick and tired of COVID-19. Um, I've actually done some live streams uh, based around that because, you know, I'm stuck here at the house and uh, trying to figure out ways to occupy my mind. Um, so the live streams have actually been very therapeutic. Last night was uh, the third one, which was really cool. Uh, had a lot of people tune in, and by a lot of people, I mean like 10, which is fine by me. That's that's all I need, 10 people. And I mean, think about that. Like, that's 10 people. Put 10 people in a room. You're good to go. So very happy with the success of that. I'm going to be doing another one, the fourth one, um, tomorrow, technically, as of this recording. But I don't know when you guys are going to hear this, so it'll probably probably be done and over with but uh very happy to do these live streams it's a good way to connect it's a good way to uh forget about all the craziness and just uh hang out so um so just to let you guys well uh i guess i'll i'll tell you after uh the sponsor so uh stay tuned i'm gonna be coming right back um we got like a 45 second sponsor so just just listen to it you know if you don't want to listen to it just mute it But just let it play um, because this is a monetized podcast and that's the way I get paid. So do me a favor. Do me a solid here um, and just uh, listen to the ad. Bada bing, bada motherfucking boom. It's fucking done. Uh, Thank you so much. Seriously, that means a lot to me. And if you didn't listen to it, all right, all right. I I guess I don't blame you. Because let's be real, if this was like YouTube, after that five-second countdown, skip. This episode with my guest, Keith Kong, yes, like King Kong, and in a way, this guy is a king, uh, with the revelation towards the end of the uh, episode that I find out. Um, So this episode with Keith Kong, I'm very, very, very uh, excited to share with all of you. Uh, Keith is a is a is a friend of mine. Um, him and I go back to the days of me being a magician, and uh, that's our that's our sort of mutual interest is magic. Although he is a mentalist, he's a, a professional mentalist. Um, he doesn't classify as a magician, uh, and when I say professional, the guy is professional. And I can't tell you specifics because uh, there are some NDAs, some non disclosure agreements that uh, are in play here, but uh, some big things are happening for Keith. Um, And he's going to be actually coming back on once those big things happen. So really excited. I wish I could tell you guys more, but just stay tuned because he will be coming back and uh, definitely going to ask him about all of that. So, um, but I just wanted to preface it by saying that, um, you know, this podcast is always sort of a work in progress, always trying to improve it, always trying to deliver the best possible experience for you guys. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, because the podcast isn't filmed, I don't use currently, I don't use headphones during the recordings. Like I don't have a pair of headphones on. The guest doesn't have a pair of headphones. And they're not really necessary in the long run, except for the one fact that you can monitor your audio. You can actually hear how loud the other person is, which is really good. 
Um, the way I do it right now is I just kind of look over at my uh, Rodecaster Pro and I can see the audio levels, but it, it would definitely be a lot better if I had the headphones. So I might invest in those, that those might be my next investment. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because you'll notice that um, I'm a little quieter compared to Keith. Keith sounds like he's more um, uh, uh, loud, I guess you could say, like for lack of a better term, loud. Um, and that's great. You know, he's the guest. I definitely want him to uh, be, you know, heard loud and clear. But uh, I definitely do come off a little quieter. And it's not because like I wasn't close to the microphone. You know, I maintain my distance, um, you know, like a fist away from the microphone. The reason is, is because I had my audio down, my audio level down just a little bit because I tend to naturally speak pretty loudly and I don't want to overpower. So it's, it's always sort of fidgety and you have to really get it right. So, um, I think from here on out, I'm always going to have my audio, uh, just up a little bit, you know, just a little bit. Uh, it's not like you can't hear me during the episode, but, uh, just in case anybody's going like, why does Eddie sound like he's a little quieter than Keith? That's why. His audio was up a little higher because I didn't really know how loudly he would speak. Uh, turns out he actually, I guess, is a pro when it comes to recording because, man, he is he is right on that mic. So, And that's awesome. That's the way it should be. So um, that's that. And then really quickly, just because I know there's some people out there this is a real sensitive subject for, and so I just wanted to let you guys know. Um, we do talk a lot about his profession. We talk a lot about mentalism and that area, but then we also do get into uh, some political talk. And I know that politics, to some people, are worse than going up to their cousin and calling them a fat whore and slapping them in the face. Like, you would think... You would think that's worse than talking politics, but some people are so offended and they, they, uh, politics is such a, mm, a tricky thing to uh, tread on. So um, I'm not, literally none of it is edited out, but I do want to let you guys know that it's like halfway through um, and it goes on for a little bit. So if that's not your thing, you can just kind of skip forward past that. And then towards the end of the episode, we get back into the into the uh, core subject. But uh, if you love some political talk, dear Lord, Keith is incredibly educated. And that's honestly why I kept all of it in, because, you know, I don't have a whole lot of political talk here on the show, but I love learning new things. That's one of the beauties of me doing this podcast. So I learned a lot from Keith in terms of politics. So I felt obligated to keep it in. So having said all of that, guys, get ready, get set for Keith Kong. we go keith kong what's up are we we're good we're good we're going yeah this is it yeah man good to see you it's been years yeah so (laughs) uh off air we were talking like how we initially met and i think we both decided it's theater magic which i've talked a little bit about on the podcast uh which is like a magic shop that was in saint augustine but it's actually not there anymore have you been up like have you been up to saint george street 
Is that in St. Augustine? Was that the street? That was the street it was on. <laughs> no, I haven't been back there, um, not in a while. But I've been to what Theater Magic has turned into, the Great Magic Hall. And it's actually pretty cool. And just like the history of it, um, I didn't realize how many people that you and I might recognize, probably nobody listening would, <laughs> but guys that have come up in the magic community uh, that actually went through that shop. So the 20 Penny Circus. Um, They've been there? Yeah, they used both of them that. used to work there. So uh, Tyler Sutter, Carl Skeens, and they, they, what is it, sort of headlined at Halloween Horror Nights one year as the entertainers nice. um, with their show. Um, Dalton Wayne, who now works for Penguin Magic, creates a lot of effects and stuff like that. He came out of there. We saw Jaffo, who yep, went on Jaffo. to Penn and Teller's Fool Us. I didn't know he was on there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, you'll have yeah, to dude, check I'm, that out. I've kind of fell out of it, like I like I was telling you. You know, it's I still have a passion for watching it. Yeah. But I just I don't have that passion for performing, which we'll get into. Um so uh it's so, so that's how we met. What you just kind of walked in. I think that's kind of how we Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's what I do. Like I anytime I see an entertainer or something like that, I have to go up and be like, oh, hey, I'm an entertainer too. What's up? And yeah. it's crazy how just that, like talking to other people, um, you know, it leads to these awesome friendships. So for instance, yeah. I was on a cruise once. There was a, a juggler performing on there. And after the show, I go up to him and I was like, hey, what's up? I'm a I'm an entertainer too. I'm a mind reader, a mentalist. And we start talking. He's like, oh, hey. And so we we like hit it off and we're talking about the the industry and like, friends that we have in common, trade secrets and stuff like that. And it gets towards the end of the cruise. And it's like, all right, man. Well, it was great to meet you and stuff. Hey, where are you from? And I was like, oh, near Orlando. And he's like, no way, me too. And now we've been friends for years and he's helped me with some really cool things. And um, yeah, it just worked out like that. So how did you, okay, so you're, uh, you classify as a mind reader mentalist more than a magician. Definitely, yeah. So I don't do anything like, you're not going to see anything vanishing or reappearing. I'm, I'm not going to make things float. It's all very heavy, heavily psychological based and things like that. So it'll be mind reading or at the most maybe moving something with my mind a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of direct mind reading, a few predictions and that sort of thing. Okay. So how did how did this happen? Give me, and for everybody listening, give everybody sort of the... As short or as long as you want to make this, how did Keith Kong become the mind reader mentalist? Right. So I started performing on my 11th birthday. And it's great because everybody asks like their own way. We have skeptics, we have believers and stuff. And I don't really like to say, I don't do disclaimers and I don't do that way. You don't have to have disclaimers if you don't claim anything, basically. So I like to do the show, let them come and watch and leave as they came in, right? Because you've heard it before, I'm sure. If you were skeptical and I was to say, oh, these are all real powers, you would be like, oh, he's lying. It, you wouldn't believe me anyway. And if you did believe and I was like, these are just tricks, then people might say just as easily, I think he's more powerful than he's letting on and and that sort of thing, like he has to hide that. So I started on my 11th birthday, which sounds cool to the people that are believers, right? Mm -hmm. But what really happened is a few, maybe a week or so, a few days, maybe a week before my 11th birthday, I saw a magician on TV and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I started asking everybody for a magic set 
and I got a magic set from my mom for my birthday. I actually had snooped around and found it in her closet the day before my birthday. Okay. So I was like so excited. I took it to her and she was like, yeah, you can open it. So I did sort of binged watched it that night. And then on my 11th birthday, I was performing at my own party for people, adults, and I was getting reactions and it was crazy. Um, Fast forward a few years, I think when I was 14, I did my first show in a pub. And get out of here. It was actually really cool because so basically I reply to this ad on Craigslist and I'm like 14 at the time. I remember walking to this church to meet the guy holding these auditions for some kind of vaudeville type show. So he's looking for variety performers and stuff. And I show up 14 years old. Um, me and this guy at a church doesn't it sounds like a horror movie already. <laughs> um, but I, he's like, all right, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a magician. My name's Keith. And I start doing some things. And the sort of thing that I did was like the smash and stab routine is what we call it, where you hide a nail or something under one of four cups and then you smash three of the cups. And hopefully the one that's left is, uh, is what is, is you, the one with the spike? Okay. So you put a spike under there. Yeah. Okay. So I had him hide a nail while I, under one of four cups while I wasn't looking. And then I turned around and tried to divine which one, you know, was, was safe by process of elimination. And so I did it and it went well and he loved it. Um, and he was like, yeah, we want you as part of the show. So he tells me to come to this show or this pub on iDrive, International Drive in Orlando. It was uh, just an Irish pub there. And I'm 14 and I'm doing my first shows, my first paid shows for an audience of strangers. And paid, it was not much. It was like maybe 25 bucks or something. But I mean, really not bad since it was like a 15-minute set that I was doing (laughs) in the show. But I do this and and people love it and stuff. And I later, this would be years later, um, when Googling my name, you know, to see what comes up. I found an article that this guy wrote saying that the restaurants and pubs were about to kick them out. Like they, they were, they didn't want to continue with the entertainment contract. And he literally says in this article or this blog post, then we brought in a magician named Keith Kong and he wowed them. And he basically says like, I saved the show. And that's the reason we were able to stay in that pub and keep performing for so long and then from there we went to another place called the why not lounge which has since closed did shows there for a while um and when that whole thing kind of fell off i just i mean i was in high school and i really like psychology okay and i've always had an interest in that and then it was it wasn't until a a friend of mine who's a hypnotist was like hey have you ever heard of this guy uh, his name is Darren Brown. Look him up. And I was like, no, I haven't. I looked him up and I loved it. Darren Brown, he, I don't think he calls himself a mentalist. He goes with psychological illusionist, but he's, he's basically a mentalist, right? right. So this was my <laughs> first experience with seeing that. And I looked back at my, my show that I've been performing and literally everything in the show was mentalism that I had just been calling Magic, right? So I was calling myself a magician. Really, I was like a natural mentalist all along, like kind of navigating in that direction. So I just kind of rebranded and stuff. And as part of that, there is kind of a a part that's 
it sucks. It's that you see a lot of cool magic being created, like the vanishes and, and things levitating and stuff. But I think that in order to make mentalism have the most impact, and there's a debate in the community about this, but I think that you can't do anything that is clearly just a trick, right? Um, I think that with magic, you... In theater, they call it a willing suspension of disbelief. Like, I'm going to see a magician. I know he's going to lie to me. I know it's going to be tricks. But that's the social contract that we have. And with mentalism, I found that there's a lot of uncertainty. People don't know if it's real. They don't know if it's tricks. And if so, which parts, right? And there is some validity to it. Maybe not as much as people think, but psychology, body language, all of that does factor in um, to a lesser extent than people imagine. But um, I love that uncertainty, so it kind of goes back to why I don't like to say and magician. Well, no, no. Why I don't like to say is it real is it oh, or I don't gotcha. make any claims or disclaimers. But yeah, that uncertainty, I think, separates mentalism from magic. And in my mind, the moment they see something where, where they're like, oh, well, that just that is clearly a trick. There's absolutely no uncertainty about that like that. Things don't just levitate in the air or whatever. Um, the moment they see something that they think is a trick, in my mind, and again, this is a debate in the community, right? Richard Osterlin might disagree with this, but I think it weakens all of the mentalism for them. So I basically have to make a decision where I won't perform certain things in order to make the things that I do perform stronger. So, okay. So 14, you're doing your first gig. That's your earliest memory of doing a gig, right? Paid gigs. Paid gigs. Right. So, for so like strangers and not just my family. And at a friends. pub, which is a weird place for a 14-year-old to be. I'm surprised you're even allowed in there. Yeah, so they would actually <laughs> escort me in. I would do my 15-minute set, and then they would escort me right back out. And I would wait in the lobby. Like, all the other performers are backstage and stuff, and I'm just in the lobby. Um, but it was cool. Like, I was 14. I didn't think about it. I was like... I'm doing this. Yeah. Like I'm out here performing for strangers and stuff. It was great. And everything, like I said, was sort of mentalism. It was that kind of hide the nail um, under a cup. That was one of the things I did. It was also like I might pass a deck of playing cards around and have some people peek at a card and then I'd be able to call out their cards and tell them which ones they were thinking of. So it was always sort of navigating towards mind reading. And so... You made a good point because it's, and this is something that I think is true, that there's not a whole lot of what you do in terms of a stage show, right? Because it's a stage show yeah, that so, you have currently going on. Right. I, I Actually, one of the big goals with the show, and I'm constantly revamping it and thinking and changing the way that I think about the show. And one of the big things that I'm working on right now is portability. Like I want it to pack really small, play really big, yeah. um, but also that flexibility. Like I want to be able to do it in a living room for 10 to 20 people or in a theater with 5,000 people, the same show. So, um, and then aside from that, I do strolling stuff as well. So companies will have me come in for mixers and um, just sort of break the ice, walk around and do some metal bending and read some lines and things like that. But there's not... Where I was going with that, there's not a, there's so many magic shows. There's so many. Whether you're talking about Vegas, whether you're talking about touring, whether you can go to what New York has the Illusionists that right. show. I don't know if it's still going on. 
it's probably touring and there's the illusionist like 1960s or something like that there's okay illusionist holiday magic yeah and it's all i mean there might be some mentalism in there but it's going to be a majority i would have assume is probably going to be the traditional sense of the word magic, right? Because I think it's easier to get an audience into a seat, and you can attest to this and and tell me if I'm wrong, it's easier to get an audience in a seat if you say, I'm going to do a magic show, than I'm going to do a mentalism show. Because even that word mentalism, people are... Yeah, they always wonder what's that, right? So that's why I say usually I'm a mentalist, and they say, what is that? A professional mind reader. And... That kind of because people understand mind reader, right? But they don't always understand mentalist. So, but they probably like when they hear that word, they they probably go to like psychic, right? Yeah, that, sometimes. That, so, like, but the TV show has helped a lot. You know, the mentalist was on TV, and yeah, so that's people true. think in terms of that now. Was that a serious show, or was that like because I never watched it? I never watched. Okay, it. <laughs> I thought it was yeah, like a people ask me show. all the time. I think it was <laughs> about. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was like sort of a cop that was really intuitive and good at noticing things, kind of like Psych. Have you ever seen that show? I've heard of it. No, I okay. never saw it. I did see a few episodes of that, but I think it was like a serious version of Psych. Okay. Yeah. All right. For some reason, I was thinking of Monk, but that's no, not... No, no. Monk I, has nothing to do with any of this. Right. <laughs> um, I think Monk came on after Psych or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Um but yeah, so like I would think that, that that it's harder to get people even into a seat, right, to, to to do this show. But once they experience it, they probably are thinking, why is there not a whole lot more of this going on? Yeah, I I think so, because let me ask you this. If you really had magic powers, would you make a coin vanish in your hand and reappear in the other hand? Or would you want to go out and read people's minds and know what they're thinking and, and that sort of thing? You would want to do the things that have some sort of practical value opposed to like making a cane dance around your yeah. body or something, <laughs> right? Um, reminds me of like the Mickey Mouse one where he's a wizard and the, the broomsticks oh, okay. yeah, are dancing. Yeah, 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 something like yeah, unless you're, Mickey. Yeah, unless you're trying to recreate that, you would want to read people's minds and know their thoughts and stuff like that. Think of how that could benefit you. So I think it is really powerful because people want to believe that there's something like that, that they can, you know, um, there's a quote and it's probably my favorite Latin quote and it says, Mundus vult decipi. And it basically, it translates to the world wants to be deceived. And I think it's such a powerful quote, right? Not just for what I do, but in, in general, in life, right? We're always confirmation bias and trying to just back up the stories that we already tell ourselves. So, yeah. Are you, are are, are you religious? No, no, no. I used to be when I used to go to Catholic school. Okay. Um, in, in elementary school up until like fourth grade, third grade. And it was crazy at that time. I wanted to be like a priest or something. I remember going to the priest and looking in a giant book of saints, and he was like, nope, there's no St. Keith yet. And I was <laughs> like, this is my end. Like, this could be it. And then something changed along the way, and it's like... <laughs> you got a magic kit. I just feel like, um, right? I, I don't know. I just feel like religions are all sort of... I, they're not just this, right? But they are a way to control the masses, right? And on top of that... I feel like people often 
need a sense of reassurance or something like that. And so for them, it could be that. It's kind of to fill an, an opening at times, right? And then there's theories on why religion started. So back when we were cavemen, if I did something terrible, it would be, it would get me ousted from the group. And then that would lessen my chances of survival. So there's a theory that basically we needed to create this higher being that was constantly watching us because that would put the pressure on us to behave and do what's right. And that's just one theory on religion. But yeah, yeah. the other thing is like there's so many religions, right? And I just think it's just too convenient that they all center around faith. Like, well, how do you explain this and this? Well, you just have to believe. Like that's a little too convenient to me, right? And who was to say... That who's to say that the Christians are right versus the Hindus and the yeah, Muslims? Exactly. And, and the way I see it is like if you okay, so I was a Boy Scout, I'm an Eagle Scout, right? And one nice. of the things that we learned was STOP, the acronym for stop, think, observe, and plan. Which if you were lost in the woods or something, just stop. Like don't run around and stuff, stop, look at your surroundings, think, and like don't move. Because if you're moving and chances are people are trying to find you, it's only gonna make things harder. So I think about it like this. If I was trapped in the woods and there were like in every direction, there was a different religion or something and I only one of them was right. How do you know where to go? Right. <laughs> so I just kind of found myself stuck in the middle thinking I, I consider myself agnostic theist. Dude, me too. Perfect. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure there's probably, probably a higher power. For sure. Um, you know, there might not even be, but I think there is, right? Because I'm not atheist. I think there is something. I just think as humans, we're not capable of knowing what that is. And why are you guys taking guesses and stuff like that? The I had to do my confirmation to like appease my grandma and yeah. my mom and stuff. And they like begged me and I was like, all right, all right, I'll do, I'll it. do it, right? <laughs> but while I'm doing it, they're showing me like these videos and, and talking about the religion. And there's a passage where Jesus... Uh, multiplied fish or something, and there's like 300 fish, and they're like, and the reason is because at the time they thought that there were 300 fish in the sea. Like there were 300 types of, of fish, and I was like, whoa, there's way more than that. And you know, you get these little things wrong, and we're supposed to put all our faith in this. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, transubstantiation, do you know what that is? I could not begin to tell you. So in Catholicism, at every Mass, it's really important that they do like the body and blood of Christ. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you do the the bread and yeah. the wine. But Catholics do it every Mass, right? So Christians, like other forms of Christianity, might see it as symbolic. Like this is a symbol of the body and blood of Christ and, yeah. you know... Catholics believe in something called transubstantiation, which is that it literally transforms into the body and blood of Christ. It is no longer a symbol. Like you are eating flesh, you are drinking his what? blood. Like they believe this. And like I'm hearing this and I, it's like, wait, so you're telling me this? And she's like, yeah. And I just look at her like, I, I mean, not, not to offend anybody. If that's what you believe, that's great, right? But for me, I just, I don't. <laughs> there's a probably a tie between religion and mentalism e even if it's subtle right because like you get these people that are coming to your shows right they could be religious they could not be i'm assuming if they are religious they're probably even more like there's a bigger suspension of disbelief right because you're not claiming anything but there's there's th th there are people that 
probably watch your show that are thinking, what, like, who is this guy? Think he like, who does this guy think he is? Think like saying he's reading my mind. You know what I mean? Like that's that's only reserved for this one person, right? Well, I mean, they just kind of go with whatever story they they know, right? So if they're skeptical, then that's pro. If they're atheist, right? For example, to stick with the religion thing, then they're probably going to be like, yeah, that's just BS, right? Um, but I have had cases where religion has come in to your show unexpectedly, not, not to my show. So for instance, in high school, I had a friend, his name was Moses. <laughs> so Are you serious? Show. Yeah. His name was Moses. And I remember one day he came up to me and he was like, so my mom says that like, I can't talk to you anymore. Or I can't be your friend. And I was like, what do you, what? Like why? And, and he's like, well, she thinks that magic is like the work of the devil and uh there you go yeah and i was like i was kind of blown away right because i was like all right it's like the year 2012 now, <laughs> now you know it's like by then i thought you know we had chris angel we had david blaine like the world has seen and there still are videos on youtube that are like magicians being possessed by demons and, and everything sure. but yeah so and, oh wait and you said this was 2012 this happened uh, around that time okay because yeah. if it was 2012 then the world was focused on yeah, much bigger right? things like maybe that's the world coming to a maybe that's how they thought it would end <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah dude that's but that's why i asked because i would like do you when a show ends do you take feedback i do as much as I can get, but normally, you know, when it's a corporate gig and stuff like that, aside from hearing people in a parking lot or just true, yeah, yeah, you kind of then just... it's usually just the person that booked you that you'll request feedback from. Okay, and have you ever gotten anything of like, like so and so thought this was maybe crossing the line, even though you're not claiming anything, it's crossing the line of it's getting a little too personal. Have you ever done a routine that's too personal for someone and they're just like, they're so offended by it because we I, live in, you know, offended culture. <laughs> I mean, nobody's been offended by when I get personal. I love that. Right. Because that to me is the realest moment. Right. You know, everyone's favorite topic is themselves. Like, you know, you plug yourself into stories and stuff when you think of things. So whenever you're telling someone about themselves, it's a really powerful thing. And I think they appreciate it. I think it sticks with them. And I, I don't know how much into the theory you are with magic and mind reading and stuff like that, but there's some great people like Kenton Nepper and yep. uh, Familiar with Peter them. Turner. And they, they talk about the anti-Tada moment, which is we have like, ta-da, and there's this big moment and it's flashy and usually mm -hmm. you have an applause cue. But if you go for the opposite of that, if I look at you and I say, I want you to think of somebody from your past and everything's just kind of slow, nothing flashy, like it's just me and you as people. Mm -hmm. And I look at you and I say, Walter, were you thinking of the name Walter? And it's like, it's not this big flashy moment, but it's a moment that it's the anti-tada moment. It's a moment that isn't flashy in the moment, but it's going to resonate with you longer. It's going to be something that you think about longer. That's weird. I wasn't thinking Walter, but my mom's dad was named Walter. So it's weird. Like, cause so, so even something like that, where there's so many names, right? You could have just said any name, 
Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, like I know like it wasn't planned or anything, but it's just, that's kind of weird. See, <laughs> on the topic of uh, religion and stuff and how it ties in, I could be John Edwards, right? Like something like that, you know? Is that that guy that like touches people and they faint? No, no, I don't think so. This is the guy, he's one of the ones that talks to the dead, one of the mediums. Oh, yeah. who am I thinking of? Like he touches someone and they just literally like some kind of a faith healer i guess and they just like fall asleep but this was like on television it's not john edwards i don't think so damn there's someone that you ah that 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 guy i like i don't believe you know calling yourself like you're not a scam artist you're you're right you're you're an entertainer yeah this guy i think he's a scam i don't know who i'm talking about if someone out there does let me know the guy that like goes up to someone, he's yelling like he like you would think he's a priest or something, but he's like over the top, and he goes up and he's like, "Jesus loves you," and he touches them and they just like fall off, like they like they just. Pass I, you out. know what? I think I might have seen a video, not the the direct video, but I think I saw a video re- um, reaction to that video okay. or something like a guy <laughs> that was playing it in a smaller frame and then reacting as he saw it. Yeah. Yeah, but John Edwards, you were he, John Edwards is just a medium, and if you ever and if you ever actually go and see it live, oftentimes it'll be like, I'm sensing I'm somebody's coming through from the other side. It's somebody with a name that starts with the letter A. Is it's a woman Anne Annie uh, Amber? Is it something something like this? And they'll throw out like a bunch of names until you know somebody says, wait a minute, and they make that connection like you did with Walter. They'll be like, oh, wait, do I have, I mean, cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, right. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, my great-grandmother's name was Anne. And it's, well, there you go, like your great-grandmother. How much could you know about her, about, you know, there's probably holes that if I was to say, your grandmother had a bicycle when she was young, did she ever mention it to you? No. Well, it's like, look, look through the scrapbooks, you might find a picture of that. And uh-huh. there's no confirmation in the actual moment, but it's just kind of like riffing off of what the audience throws out there. Well, I mean, you fish, you like chum the waters with all these names. Somebody claims it and then like be as, I mean, be as vague as you can while trying to sound specific. So for instance, and this was a, this passing was very hard on you, wasn't it? I'm sure um, harder than, than, half of the family would have even imagined. And and what's coming through about this person is as they were passing away, there's something I see him clutching his chest. There's something has to do with the chest or the center mass. Right? Like that's the majority, unless it's like, you know, but you look at these videos of um, psychics and stuff like Sylvia Brown. I think she's she's passed away herself since. But there's a video w- online and she's like, I see your son, he's drowning. This is how he passed away. Yes, he's drowned. There's lots of water. And the the parents are like, no, he he died on 9-11 in one of the buildings. And she's like, yes, the, the fire sprinklers came on with the water. <laughs> like, Get out of here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She's done that? Yeah. That's crazy. So so okay, so someone like that, do you think do you think that is quote unquote a scam artist? Or is that an entertainer as well? No, I think, I mean, if you're, 
they'll try to rationalize it and say like, what's the harm if I'm making this person feel better? You know, if I'm giving them closure and, and making them believe that their loved one's still there and stuff like then it could kind of be therapeutic. So that's like the case that they'll make about it. But if you're taking someone's money repeatedly so that they can talk to someone that's passed on when Psychics. yeah, it's like, I don't know. But the, the other thing about it is, some people genuinely believe that they have these abilities, right? Like something will happen one time. It'll be a crazy coincidence. And then they'll be like, yeah, that's it. I I knew all along that I was psychic. The phone rings and I'm thinking about that person when they call and that kind of thing. Um, and so they'll convince themselves that they have genuine abilities. And then it's like a weird area where if they really believe it, you know, it's almost like they're scamming other people, but they're scamming themselves. <laughs> first so yeah Yeah, it is weird it's so weird because like you've heard of psychic surgery yeah that's a weird one like i don't know anybody that that in 2020 i mean maybe it was a thing in the past but i can't imagine anybody in 2020 is doing psychic surgery i you know someone i don't know i don't know somebody (laughs) but i would not be surprised i actually imagine that there probably is still is shit why because like all it is is like for like so for for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's essentially are they even a qualified doctor? Do they? No. So it's somebody <laughs> they they claim that it's a procedure where just by passing their hands over your body and they could literally reach in through the skin, pull out the tumors, the cancers, get rid of things like that. Yeah. And it's really just scam artists that palm or hide little mm-hmm. blood baggies in their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and it's basically sleight of hand with Halloween special effects. And yeah. they make you believe that they've reached in, removed the cancer and stuff. And you say like, why would people do it? Right. So think about other countries where, I mean, healthcare is just so expensive and it's all, it's, it's a weird thing to think about now. I had to pause because I'm like, think about other countries where healthcare is expensive. I mean, the U S has its own problem with that. But, you know, when you're sick and you have cancer or a loved one does, you will do anything to get them better, right? So if you can't afford traditional medicine or something like that, or maybe you've tried it and it's not working, then you'll go and see a faith healer. You'll go and see a psychic surgeon or anybody that claims they can help you. And yeah, there's people. The worst part is like, imagine having cancer or something. You go and see a psychic surgeon they do this little theater show and they tell you that you're cured and you could have been getting real treatments like real chemo, real mm-hmm. whatever. And you're at home and this cancer is just growing and yeah. you're like, no, it's, it's, I'm good to go. Like psychic people that do psychic surgery, 100% scam artists, right? 100%, yeah. um, like they know exactly what they're doing. But yeah, I think that in probably India and other parts of the world, stuff like that could easily still be happening. Still exists. The Philippines, I imagine. Yeah, I found out about that. Ironically, even though I'm not a big fan of him anymore, Chris Angel he did a he did an episode on that um, because I, uh, he was passionate about it. I don't know if he knew someone personally that had passed away because they had done a psychic thing, or but uh, he was talking about it and he demonstrated it on you know the the show. And I was like, wow, and because I was young when that show came out, that was a uh, 2005, I think, is when it premiered. Mind freak, mind freak. Um, Pretty sure 2005, six, somewhere around there. It must have been. 2004 or so. Uh, I think it must have been 2000 and 
2003 or 2004 because it was 2005 that I turned 11 and he was the magician that oh, I saw on kit. TV. It wasn't his kit, but it was seeing him on TV that made me like, oh, I want to try magic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same for me, dude. Like, really? Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause I don't, I don't really look up to him anymore. I don't think he's the shit that I thought he was at one point. I just heard so many horror stories of how douchey he could be and controlling and he's not even essentially creating this stuff. He has this team of, you know, people that, yeah, that, that are working with him. I have also heard a lot of horror stories and stuff <laughs> from his past consultants and everything, but I haven't met him, right? So I don't want to say for sure. And, and like, who knows? You know what it's like when everybody knows who he is in the magic community, right? I'm sure, like, you have to kind of like you have to please everyone, basically, and which is impossible. So well, essentially, he's the Justin Bieber of the magic <laughs> community, right? For better or worse, I'm sure he would hate that reference, that comparison. But, but yeah, I get you what you're what I mean? saying. Like, yeah, like like people in the in the music community, like people that are hardcore musicians, whatever they know Justin Bieber, and so does the general populace. That's the same thing with magic. You have your Banachek's, you have your Joe Montes, you have your Jay Sankey's, you have you know all these people that who, yeah, you have Chris Angel. Oh, okay, I know that guy. You know, yeah. So why did you stop performing? So I stopped performing because um, so I worked at that magic shop, Theater Magic, um, and I'm not afraid to drop names. Like some people are like, oh, don't don't drop names. It's like what? Just this is my past. I worked at Theater Magic and Daytona Magic, and both of those times, I don't know why. Uh, the management there was iffy, um, and that's 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 lightly touching on it. Very iffy, um, and I've said it before. It's sort of like let's say you love cars. Yep. Don't become a car salesman because all of a sudden your passion, your love for that thing, is now renegated or relegated, whatever the word is. To that person walks in, get them right now. It doesn't matter if you're doing an insane effect drop it get that other person because they look like they're a little more susceptible to buying something in the shop so that mentality of sale 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 versus yeah. performance 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 just beat me the fuck down and by the end of the daytona magic run where and um uh you know i'm not saying this is like like i'm not saying this about everybody but uh the people that run that shop they're jewish and there's a big stereotype that they're cheap. You know what I mean? I was getting shit hours, dude. Like, I was getting horrible hours. And I was like, why did I leave Theater Magic? I, When I applied at Daytona Magic, I was telling you I wasn't having a good time at Theater Magic. And you told me, come here. We'll, we'll give you everything that you're not getting there. And I, by the end of it, I was just getting the middle finger. So I gave them the middle finger. And... It's unfortunate because I haven't touched a deck of cards since then. So that was probably wow. 2014. That somewhere is around crazy. There. It's been a while. I feel like it's a bike though. I feel like I could pick it up and, you know, I can, because that was my thing. Cards were my thing. I love cards. Yeah. Cards were never my. <laughs> cards are never. <laughs> no, never not thing. really. No. Uh, the opposite, right? Like I just didn't have the patience to, and I, I need to, right? But it, it just, was more interesting for me to learn a bunch of different things. And now I've kind of 
changed my thought process on it. Now I want to learn very few things and just be really good at them. Okay. Um, in the past, it was like, oh, I want to learn this and this and like all of these different parts of it. But I did go in that magic shop. Um, Which one? The second one. Oh, Daytona? Yeah. And uh, I mean, well, I got that impression, right? Like, And I hate shops like that, things that are pushy, that style of salesmanship where they're just like, I, I really wanted to just have a conversation with the guy. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like he was just trying to make a sale the whole time. And so, you know, not all magic shops are like that. There's there's not that many brick and mortar ones anymore. But I do want to shout out one that is in New Albany, Indiana. My friend Brent Braun just opened J&B Magic down there. And I know that that shop would not be like that because for him, it's more about creating that sense of wonder and impressing people with the magic and making them feel a part of it than just getting the sale. Yeah. So. Well, see, okay, because I've been to a few magic shops. So I worked at Theater Magic, which I don't even necessarily would call a magic shop. Like, I don't know if you remember it. It was like... There were more puppets and gags and stuff at the one you were at, right? Um, well, what's weird about that one is they had two locations. They had like, yeah. the, the main one where you had like a stage and then you had the sales part. And then there was this hallway that you would go down and it would be like a little corner shop. That's the one you're thinking of with like right. puppets. And, and I think that's where they started. And then they moved to that bigger spot. That bigger spot, I wouldn't call a magic shop because half of it was literally that stage, which wasn't even a stage. It was just a, a place you stood to watch a performance, which was really a sales pitch in disguise. Yeah. Because you would do the magic and then you'd be like, at the end, I'll I'll tell you how you can get this and two other magic kits <laughs> for the price of one. And it's but anyways, um, so I don't call theater magic. A magic shop maybe the great magic hall is a little more along the lines of that because they've kind of you know expanded their stuff not much no you i think the reason you're i i still consider it a magic shop i think the reason you're saying that is because unlike other magic shops everything they sold was their own kind of kit right it was always branded yeah yeah it was their own brand of of stuff um so i i think it's still a magic shop they just stuck to their own products instead of wholesaling true or going through a wholesaler like murphy's mat or something like that yes um i've been to have you been to the one in tampa the magic emporium no 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 there's one in tampa i think still around great one great one and it's just this kind of like it's just in a complex you know nothing fancy or anything it's just right there nice vibe good people always had a laugh there you know for better or worse like if you know one of the performers was a little off. It doesn't matter. It's like I the vibe I'm getting from this place is great. Daytona Magic <laughs> is weird because well, first of all, Daytona is a touristy spot, right? So you you almost can't be that kind of magic shop that you want. The local like come and encourage younger come kids and, chill and around, stuff like you know, that. Hang yeah, out. like Tannins in New York. I was just about to say, dude, I went there for the first time when I was still doing the magic shit and that was like, why can't everything be like this? That I think is the greatest magic shop I've ever been to. Really? In and New it's York so City. small, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it's 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 the light. It's it's everything. Daytona Magic is so brightly lit and everything, and it's, it's like you feel like you're in a mall. Yeah, you go to Tannins, it's, it's dimly lit. It's just the vibe of the whole place. It's it's just great. Plus, it has a reputation, right? Tannins has oh, yeah. a really it's high the reputation. Oldest magic shop in New York. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not trying to shit talk. I mean, I had some good stuff at Daytona magic and whatnot, but 
it just, it killed it for me. So I wouldn't recommend it. Like don't ever say, Hey, I'm going to try to do this on the side and try to do it as my nine to five. Don't do that. Well, in psychology, they sort of call it the over justification effect. Have you heard of that? I, no. What is it? So imagine you love to play piano. You've learned how to play the piano and you just love it. It's a passion that you have. All of a sudden the neighbor asks you to come and play at her son's birthday party. And at the end of it, she pays you. And now there's a money kind of attached to it. It's like this thing that you would do for fun. You had a passion for and you would do it for no money at all. Now it's almost like you feel, well, I need to get paid for this. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that kind of factored into it. And, but for me at the same time, it's like I charge for this, right? I do shows and I've had to force myself not to just give it away for free. But sometimes I do still like to just perform for somebody and because it's giving them that moment of wonder that I think is so good. That's what I love about magic. It, it just gives you this moment where it takes you away from the stress of the real world and it's like an anything is possible moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, something I don't like, like the, J, all right, so Jay Sankey. He's always been my guy. Big shout out to him. I've actually reached out to him. I was like, can I get you on at some point? I know you're very, very busy. Like, like this dude travels, lectures. He does all this stuff. Um, oh, um, <laughs> do you, uh, um, where was I going? Jay Sankey. Um, he travels. He does all this shit, right? I love his performance style because, he, for, well, first of all, he's a short dude. Have you ever seen him in person? I've never seen him. In You've person, never seen no. him. He is so tiny. It's not even funny. So <laughs> I think it comes like like that. And he's talked about this as well. That he he factors that into his performance, right? He'll factor that in to how he interacts with his audience. And um, like if you, they say if you can't hide it, paint it red. Yeah, for sure. Like he he embraces the fact that he's five one or whatever he is. <laughs> um, so plus he's just, he, he has this ability to be so improvisational, you know, and I think that's a big factor. Do you, when you do your shows, do you ever find yourself kind of going off script? Yeah, you have to, because if you just have a script and you stick, th- stick to it, you seem almost robotic if you're not reacting to real time interactions and having fun with it. Right. So you have the script, it's your baseline. You can always go back to it, mm-hmm. but it leaves you room to deviate and have actual fun with the actual people in the actual moment. Yeah. Too many people, too many magicians, whatever mentalists they're they, they, they get the script and they stick to it and you can tell that they're you know hitting a beat. They're hitting a beat. They're hitting a beat. Yeah. And it's, I've had shows like that and it's <laughs> terrible. Right. And so because it's always just such a process. And in the beginning, I scripted out this full show and I planned it just like that. And I recorded the show and I looked back and it was like, man, I looked robotic. Like I'm going through the motions up mm-hmm. there. And I think it's way more powerful to connect with the audience in that moment. And that's another thing with magic versus mentalism. Magicians, I think, are a little more flamboyant over the top and or they can be versus mentalism done well or I guess in anything done well, you're a person and you can kind of connect with people. Yeah, you're you're the person first and then the entertainer second. Right. That's what people glom onto. That, or, and so Jay Sankey is just, I think he's still to this day, he has a great YouTube channel, um, Sankey Magic. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out because, I mean, he does tutorials, but, you know, he uh, like the reason he still does that is because he felt like there was a, there was a void in the YouTube 
stratosphere of, you know, so many amateurs teaching magic and, you know, exposing secrets. So it's like, why, why is, why isn't there a, a real professional doing this? Right. And Jay Sankey, I think he has the record. He's created the most magic ever. Something like that. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that you were so into him. I never really. You never got into Sankey? No, not much <laughs> at all. <laughs> is it, is it because he's so kind of like that flamboyant like he can be he can definitely be flamboyant i think partially um that and just his material for the most part doesn't look like the kind of thing that i like to do okay yeah see i like the so okay so who is who's your go-to luke germain luke germain yeah why does that i feel like i've heard that name well he's just He's been around. He's a genius. Like the guy was maybe 18 or 19 and he was putting out products and, and things like that. He was a consultant for Chris Angel on the show Mind Freak. Maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a really brilliant mentalist based out of the UK and he does tours over there and stuff like that. But his thinking, I love. I love his thinking. Some of the best investments. Um, yeah. Him and then Darren Brown, which are their two very different styles. Uh-huh. Darren's more of the psychological NLP route, and Luke Germay is 100% mind reader. Okay. I don't think he does many predictions. He just, he's a, a mind reader, and every effect is like he's going to be telling you what you're thinking. Okay. What about Banachek? I think Banachek is, would you, would you agree Banachek is sort of the... Maybe like the poster child for mentalism. Somebody told me that they saw Banachek's show when he was in his prime and it was the best mind reading show they'd ever seen. Um, I think Banachek's a super smart guy and I definitely use a few of his suggestions and techniques. But overall, I can't say that my show really pulls much inspiration from Banachek. Okay. Because didn't he, wasn't he one of the people that supposedly fooled scientists into believing? Yeah, pro- the I think it was called Project Alpha. Okay. And him and another guy basically went into a lab and scientists were studying them and they were looking for proof of psychic abilities. And so we have these two magicians or mentalists in there pretending and they're fooling the scientists. Meanwhile, you have James Randi who set up the Million Dollar Challenge, a million dollars to anybody that can come forth with scientifically verifiable proof of supernatural. Um, He's writing into the scientists and he's like, hey, if you really want to test this, put them under these conditions. Like don't allow them to use their own paper and pens and like things like that. Um, And he just gives them the conditions and he's helping the scientists and they're ignoring him. So he's coordinating with the mentalists on the inside and he's telling the scientists this is how you bust them and it was just done to prove that even scientists can fall into these mindsets and this confirmation bias you know that's why we have standards like double blind tests where the person testing neither the person testing nor the person being tested actually knows what is being measured they just the guy doing the test has been told I want you to go in, measure this, calculate that, and and whatever. And the person going in is just going through the motions that the moderator tells them to. And then they hand the results over to the actual people that know what they're measuring and looking for. Because otherwise you might bias. So you might bias it. So if I was like, 
we have a theory that this concoction makes you feel stronger or something like that. And so you're in there, you have the control, they're drinking it. How do you feel on a scale of one to 10? How, what is your strength? And then they measure it and then they drink that one. And now you know what you're measuring for. So you might say to the, to the person doing the experiment, you might say, what about this one? Does this make you feel any stronger? This one probably feels stronger, right? Or something like you might lead them and and then say, I don't, I mean, kind of, and now it gets a higher mark. Just, Things like that. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's power of suggestion. That's that's what I always heard. It's always mostly power of suggestion. Without getting into like too much revealing. Like it's Yeah. Like so, I mean it lets people are so susceptible. A, look at a police lineup, right? Like those should be done double blind too. True. And <laughs> you should also be told that the person, the suspect, may not actually be in the lineup because then people might feel pressured to pick someone. They might pick the closest looking guy and that guy could be completely innocent. innocent yeah. So yeah, let them know. This person may or may not be in here. Don't do that same double blind. What about number four? Take another look at him, right? Because you might know that's the suspect that you have in mind. So, and then it's like four, maybe we got him, you know, like yeah, that kind of thing. That is weird. They don't do that for like police lineups and shit. So I have my degrees in psychology and criminal profiling. And that was one of the things that we learned and talked about. Elizabeth Loftus, who's a, I think, psychologist with a lot of work on false memories and how false memories can play into police lineups and that sort of thing. So damn, they're working on it. Like they're now, they should be doing double blind tests. They should be instead of a lineup, it's best to show pictures one at a time and say, tell me if you see anything that jumps out, do any of these stand out, look familiar to you, and then show the picture, and then they'll be like, yes or no, right? Next one. Um, Different things like that that haven't been done in the past are hopefully in effect everywhere now, but I doubt it's the case. They're probably still going into effect. So, okay, so just to kind of briefly touch on this, because this is, I know this is, I haven't, this is stuff I don't really even, you know, think about it. Like, and I think a lot of people don't think about this shit, but so when they're putting these photos down, is the person putting the photos down? Like, let's say that that's what they're doing. They're putting photos down. Do they know like, oh, it's photo four that we think is. They shouldn't. That's, 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 that's double blind. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because if they do know, they might lead the other person into going towards that one. Like kind of placing it closer to them or what about this one? Yeah, anything <laughs> like that. Or take another look at this one, right? Something like that. Yeah. Now they're thinking, well, now the person that is doing the identifying is thinking, oh, he showed me this one again. That means there's probably something that leads them to believe he's a suspect. Let me look at it again. Now you've seen the picture three times. You're like, he does look familiar, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Dude, you must have, you must, between the performing and these degrees that you have, you must have this close to superhuman ability to just read a room. <laughs> you, really, you must. You can turn it on and off, though, right? <laughs> like, I love body language. There's a book called How to Read a Person Like a Book. It's really good. I also, do you know who Dr. Paul Ekman is? No. Have you seen the TV show Lie to Me? No. Okay, so Dr. Paul Ekman's a what guy. What channel is it usually on? Uh, it doesn't oh, okay. doesn't air anymore. Gotcha, but gotcha. Dr. Paul Ekman is a guy. Time Magazine considered him one of the most one of the top one hundred 
most influential people of our time. And he went around the world and studied people in Papua New Guinea, the U.S., just everywhere, looking at their facial expressions. And he discovered the eight universal micro-expressions. So like a polite smile, genuine smile, fear, surprise when the eyebrows go up, the mouth makes kind of like an O shape. And so he would document this and he found they were universal. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, that expression on your face means that you're feeling contempt, you're feeling fear, anger, disgust, that kind of thing. And so he did a lot of research on body language, like really made it a science. And there was a TV show called Lie to Me where instead of Paul Ekman, the main character's name was Cal Lightman. And it was all based on him and based on that same sort of thing. It's Actually, you might enjoy it because one thing I loved about the show is they would have an actor do something like duping delight is something that happens when someone tells a lie and then they flash a quick smile for a second. Like these are micro expressions, right? But it's because they feel like they're getting away with a lie. So they, they smile quickly for a second. Like it's, it's not something they're thinking about, but so they might highlight duping delight on one of the episodes and then they'll flash pictures from real life politicians, celebrities, people oh, that have been cool. caught lying and they'll cool. show you the moment in real life. Yeah. So I love those moments. Like they talk about Bill Clinton, the Pinocchio effect. When you tell a lie, usually your nose, um, like the blood vessels in your nose swell or something and you'll see people touching their nose. So they call it the Pinocchio effect. I think Bill Clinton touched his nose like a ridiculous amount of times <laughs> in that. Yeah. And they show little examples. So anyway, I got to beta test some of the programs that Dr. Paul Ekman put out on body language and how to react once you read a certain a certain expression. Yeah. So yeah, between that, the degrees, the background in magic. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, you know, not anything cr too crazy, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. Do you feel like you could be a, like a lie detector, like a human lie detector? Do you feel you have that ability? There's, I mean, it depends, right? Because when you're lying, if you're going to try to bust someone's lie based on something like that, then there usually has to be stakes involved. So for instance, I can't just say, all right, you're going to lie to me here. Um, like two truths and a lie is kind of difficult because it doesn't matter. If you get caught, there's nothing, right? But now if you rob a bank and you're in an interrogation room, you the know stakes are high, the stakes are super high. Gotcha. So you're going to be like on alert, right? And yeah. your body's just going to do natural things. Yeah. That is interesting. That is very interesting. That Just that differentiation of like, all right, so if I were to say right now, I'm going to tell you, like you said, two truths and a lie. Pick one. <laughs> right. Like that's different versus you put me, you know, in a room with lights on and, and I know I probably did the crime yeah and i'm here to tell you i didn't i'll do things like imagine this we're in a interrogation room you've been sitting there waiting i come in i drop a file down on the desk and i just sit there and i don't say anything and people hate silence so you just sit across from me i just dead sit silent. there and let the silence be like so loud and you're are you looking me in the eye though or are you just kind of looking around the room looking at your watch uh, yeah, I mean, I could do anything. Okay. Just the silence is like eerie, right? For sure. And so 
people want to break the silence. So oftentimes they would start talking. <laughs> the criminal starts talking? Yeah, because it's just so uneasy sitting there. Like, even if it's like, what, who are you? Or, you know, they just want to break the silence and then you get them talking. Wow. Dude, why don't you, like, seriously, why don't you do, like, why aren't you a, I don't know, maybe more than a cop? Like, why aren't you in that sort of field? I've had, like, professors have me come in and talk to their classes about stuff like this. But I don't know. I just love performing. Like, I think that I could do a bunch of other stuff, but I am really happy performing and entertaining people. Okay. And maybe not having the stakes be so high. Is that it? The stakes are kind of what throw you off a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I I actually did want to do a lot of stuff like this when I was younger. Like when I was going to college, it was it was the backup plan always, but it was something that I'd really be interested in doing. I think even now there's just so many problems with our criminal justice system in general. And uh, yeah, I mean, it would suck to obviously put someone away that was innocent. Oh, yeah. And, but like you never considered being a cop. Like, you know, oh, no, I considered it for considered sure. It? Yeah. When I was going to school for it and everything, I wanted to be, I wanted to, I wanted to do the action stuff too, though. I wanted to be a cop and like a member of the SWAT team, Ooh. or I wanted to be on the fugitive task force for Homeland Security. Shit. Damn. Or a U.S. Marshal. Or like Secret Service. Never really Secret Service. <laughs> Dude, you could protect Bernie when he gets uh, elected. I saw your Bernie signs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I Bernie Sanders is a hero. There, man, there you go, He's man. an American hero. You got to protect him. Yeah. <laughs> I protect Bernie, but I the guy's just so right, man. He's so right on everything. You watch him talk. He's the only person that makes sense, right? Like in this, in the length of this podcast, we've already talked about problems with the healthcare system, problems with criminal justice reform. Or, or the need for criminal justice reform. And he's the guy that's highlighting all of this. And he's right. Like, the thing that annoys me with po- politics is party politics. When people are like, oh, I'm a Republican, so I have to be in Trump's corner. Or I'm a Democrat, so I have to be in this person's corner. I think everybody should be an independent. Like, make up your minds, right? Um, so there's there's corruption on both sides. It's It's all around. And... I think that you can't be afraid to call it out just because this person's on your team. Like, it's still wrong, right? I mean, take your pick, right? Uh, legalizing marijuana, overwhelmingly popular in the U.S. Bernie Sanders is in favor of it. Um, Medicare for All, it's won every exit poll in the primary so far by a majority. So it's weird. It's like, you know, people are right now voting for Joe Biden and... I think it's because the media has been just pounding this narrative that he's the one that can beat Donald Trump. He's electable and stuff like that. But I really don't think so. I really think that if Joe Biden wins the nomination, it's four more years of Trump. Whether you like Trump or not, like that's what it is. It's not about the the person so much as it is their history, their their um, policy proposals, you know, the facts. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I, what are you? What do you think about this? <laughs> so I was gonna say because, like, um, like I'm thinking about my next thing. I want to ask you, but like, for me, I'm someone that's very vague on politics, man. Like, I, 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 I listen, I hear, I vote, 
but I don't even know that my vote is a hundred percent educated. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I probably am missing a lot of stuff. So I was going to ask you for someone like me who probably knows next to nothing about politics, where is the best kind of place to go to hear everybody? Because someone like, yeah, something you just said, like the media, they focus on one or two. Yeah. So they don't like, there's so many other people, right. That, that are potentially in the running. Right. Okay. So this is something that I still like struggle with because a lot of it is you having to do the research and look for facts, like look for votes on bills, things that don't change, right? Because everyone has their own perspective and they'll tell the story from that perspective. And there's a lot of media bias. I like the Young Turks. Have you heard of them? No. Young Turks? The Young Turks. T-U or T-E? T-U-R-K-S. Okay. And if you look that up in the dictionary, the Young Turks is like a, a group of young rebels, basically. And so the Young Turks are, it's a progressive media outlet. So they're clear about that. Like they come from a progressive standpoint. They think that we should have Medicare for all. We should progress, right? Because when you think of progressive... Like, what is it? It's someone that believes that we need progress. We need to adjust with the times. And then conservatives believe that they try to hold on to things and conserve, keep everything the same way. But I think that's impossible. Things are changing. Like, you need to be able to adjust with that. So they do come from a progressive standpoint, but they're clear about that. It's not like they have a hidden agenda or anything. And then they will give you the facts. And I like that they give credit where credit's due. So even though they are progressive, if Donald Trump happens to do something that actually would benefit American people, then they'll give him credit for that. And they'll say, like, this was something that he did that's good. Um, But I also like that they attack Democrats from the left. Like, they'll be like Dianne Feinstein. She is supposedly a Democrat. She's supposedly for the people, but she's taking money. She just did the, with the coronavirus, basically Congress had a briefing and they were like, guys, this is what's going to happen. Shit's about to hit the fan. And I think it was four Congress people now with that information basically did insider trading and stole, uh, sorry, sold their stocks or, you know, did what they had to do to make sure they were profiting right before the market dipped. Diane Feinstein's a, a Democrat and she did that. I would call her out for that. If I was a Democrat, call her out. If I'm a Republican, call out the Republicans that are doing it. It's just corruption. It's, you know, Well, so where, so where do I go? Okay. So the young Turks, um, okay. So young Turks, the young Turks is, like a is a really good one. They do have a website. Um, they also stream on YouTube six to 8 PM. Monday through Friday, uh, Eastern time. And they stream their live show. Okay. And then there's members only content as well. So if you pay five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month, then you get access to behind the scenes and stuff. And that's, what's great about it. They're member funded. They don't have these big donors or, or anyone backing them, just the members. So now they're only beholden to them. So for instance, with politics, right? Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders for the Democratic nomination. Joe Biden has over 60 billionaires that contribute to his campaign. He has special interests, fossil fuels, the pharmaceutical companies, all of that. Bernie Sanders said, no, I'm not taking any corporate PAC money. I don't have any super PACs. The only money I'm going to take is from people, real people, at an average of $18.50 a donation. And he's raised, he's gotten over 7 million individual contributions and raised a ton of money. And now 
the reason is if you were running for president and I was like a fossil fuel company and I was like, hey, Eddie, here's $4 million to help you with your campaign. And now you win. Did I give you that money from like out of the goodness of my heart? No, of course not. It was for a political favor. So now I can knock on your door and I can say, hey, do you mind if we frack, uh, do some fracking over here or like drill for oil here? And you're kind of, you kind of owe it to me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Compare that to Bernie Sanders. The only people he would be beholden to is his constituents, is the people, because he didn't take that special interest money. He doesn't owe favors to any big industry or anything like that. So it's a world of difference. Um, I mean, it's the, look at the, any problems that we have and the source is the money in politics. So the criminal justice reform. Well, we have for-profit prisons. So we have a private prison industry that donates money to politicians. And what is a private prison? It's incentivizing, locking people up. It means the more people that are in jail, the more money somebody's going to make, the person running that prison. So if they're putting money into politicians' pockets and saying like, no, no, this this law disproportionately affects minorities or something like that. No, that's fine. Like we want our prisons full. How is it in this country we have more people in prison than any other country, including China and India with huge populations? It's it's insane, right? So it's all goes back to the money in politics, right? The donors from Wall Street, the donors from the pharmaceutical industries. Again, we're the only civilized country that doesn't have some kind of universal health care, some kind of Medicare for all platform. So in this country, the richest country on earth, we let, by the most conservative estimate, 35,000 people die every year because they don't have insurance. So if I like break my nose or something in a, in a fight, I could get rushed to the emergency room and they'll fix it up. I might end up bankrupt like one of the 500,000 people in this country that go bankrupt every year for medical, medical related debt, I'm, I might end up bankrupt, but they'll fix my nose. Do you know what happens if you get cancer in this country and you don't have insurance? You're fucked. We just let you die. Yeah. They're not going to treat you. So I think it's wrong that in the richest country, we decide who lives and dies based on how much money they make when every other country has a form of universal health care. And so you see after Super Tuesday when uh, Joe Biden did well and Bernie Sanders took a dip in the, in, towards, as the front runner, the stock market, the stocks skyrocketed for Aetna and all the insurance companies after Joe Biden came out on top. Had Bernie Sanders won, it probably would have had the opposite effect. Dude, just hearing the way you talk, man, it's it's <laughs> clearly you're educated, and and but it, it, it the stuff that just blows my mind is is so like this prison thing, right? Yeah. What's the solution? What's well, the, like, did like don't put as many people in prison? Like, well, yeah, let's stop. Them? Okay, no, no, no. I mean, why are people going into prison? Right? Look at something like stop and frisk that Bloomberg, who had his failed presidential bid, um, put in place. And he, he's actually said things like, well, we put the cops in the minority neighborhoods because that's where all the crime was. And he, he kind of talks himself into this cycle because when they were looking for guns, he says things like, if we stopped a black person and we searched them and they didn't have a gun on them, 
it's just because they decided to leave the gun home that day. Like he's actually said stuff like this. When you look at the numbers, more white people were arrested from stop and frisk with firearms on them. Uh, more black people in general, though, because the law was basically like get rid of the Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search and seizure. I could see you throw you up against a wall or a car and pat you down just because I could stop and frisk you. So, you know, things like that. And then and then what do they find? Maybe a little bit of weed on them. And then they have a record now. We're filling up the jails, plugging up the court systems and stuff for something like weed, which is still a Schedule One drug, saying that it has no medicinal value at all on a federal level. Um, so stop investing in prisons and incarceration and start investing in education and like growing the future and stuff like that. Like let's, you know, you arrest someone for something like weed and now what? Now they can't get a job because they have this record and stuff like that. And it just holds them down so much more. And now, well, they can't get a job. Let's say they do go into a life of crime and maybe now they have to sell drugs or something. Now they get arrested again. And it's like, well, yeah, because they had weed on them. They, what are they going to do? Get high and like have the munchies and watch some TV. But now you've thrown them in jail for that. You've set them back in life this far for something that, do you know what drug kills the most people? Uh, alcohol, right? Yeah, it's alcohol, right? Like, but that's legal. It's just huge <laughs> double standards. It is weird, man. So I think the solution is to get the money out of politics because then it becomes the democracy, right? It becomes the majority of people uh, saying what they want and hopefully holding politicians' feet to the fire for it. If Bernie Sanders, okay, so people always say, well, how's how's he going to get anything done? How's it, Bernie's too radical? Well, we've already like covered it. It's not radical to want healthcare. It's not radical to want education. But if I was Bernie Sanders and I did win the presidency, Medicare for all is overwhelmingly popular. I would go state by state and I would say this politician, this politician, this politician and I'll call them out by name, they are standing in the way of your health care. Vote them out. Basically, that's what politicians care about is their power, right? Their place in, in government. So that's when you see them start to waver is when they're afraid their, uh, their seat is vulnerable now and there's an election cycle coming around. That's when they want to do stuff to gain popularity. If this is overwhelmingly popular, then... Make it clear, right? Make it clear who's blocking it. Um, free college, right? People think, oh, it's so crazy. Free. How? Who's going to pay for it? I don't think they should call it free college. I think they should call it expansion of public education because that's what it is. K through 12 are free, right? Do you know why? No. It's because at the time it was deemed that that was the education necessary to prepare you for the workforce. What can you get with just a high school diploma today? Yeah, very little. Exactly. So that's progressive. Like we pro we progress with the times. Now it's time to step it up. A college degree is what's necessary. So it's not saying that Harvard is going to be free. It's not saying all these colleges are going to be free, but there will be a private option. If I want an education and I don't have money, I shouldn't be uh, punished for that. Right. Another comparison between Biden and Bernie. Bernie Sanders wants to eliminate student debt when half the country is in debt. That'd be overwhelmingly popular. Con compare that to Joe Biden who wrote the bankruptcy bill, which is a bill saying 
that the only debt that you can't discharge, the only debt you can't get rid of is student debt. So we punish people for trying to better their lives, for taking out these loans at a time when they're like 17, 18, right? Shouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to make these huge decisions, really, if we're keeping the drinking age at 21, if brain plasticity doesn't hit stage three until 21 to 25. But now you're you're having these people sign loans with interest that they can never discount, they can never get out of for the rest of their life. Um, how do you get rid of stu- like? Well, how do you get rid of any debt? How do you get rid of? Well, you could file for bankruptcy. Like, look at. Well, no, 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 no. Like, not myself. Like, like Bernie Sanders. He just wants to get rid of it. Oh, okay. He just so wants to pretend like it never happened. Like you're saying, how do you pay for it? I guess right. Well, yeah. Like how? Like, yeah. What, like what's that solution? Well, so the plan for that is. Um, a modest tax on Wall Street speculation. So basically, there's a lot of, like Elizabeth Warren talks about a wealth tax and taxing the the wealthiest people in the country their fair share. That is the thing, that it's really their fair share because how is it that you and I probably pay more taxes than Amazon or Starbucks? Like, Amazon pays zero dollars in taxes and it's like this huge company. The CEO is the richest man in the world and they pay zero dollars in taxes, right? So the tax rates are all, all over you know, changed place. when the middle class is paying more than the wealthiest people in the country. Yeah, I mean, on paper, that doesn't, yeah, definitely on paper, that's a, that, that's a big uh, eye raise. It's a big uh, what? <laughs> yeah, but... The problem is those people that own the companies and stuff, they give money to the politicians and they basically get to write the laws that way. And then they'll try to justify it by saying, oh, I I employ this many people and I do this and so I deserve like some kind of break. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the quality of these jobs. So for instance, the unemployment rate, that's a big thing right now. Everyone's like, oh, the unemployment rate is down. That's worldwide the unemployment rate has been going down as we've progressed. But what is the the quality of those jobs? Remember, you have to factor in Lyft, um, Uber, DoorDash, all of these gig, it's a gig economy that we live in. So all of those count as jobs, but they're barely making minimum wage. They have no health benefits, right? So it's all, it just kind of doesn't matter as much. You know, yeah, unemployment's down. So more people have jobs, but they still can't afford to really live. They can't save up any money or anything. Take a look at coronavirus right now. Coronavirus is going crazy. How do you think Medicare for All would have benefited us if everybody could go to the doctor without co-pays, deductibles, anything like that? You know, the last time I was sick, I didn't go to the doctor at all. And that's because I remember the time before that when I was sick I walked into urgent care. They told me how much the price was with insurance. And I said, no, thanks. And I got back in my car and, and I left, right? You don't have access to healthcare if you have a crazy high deductible, if you have these co-pays and you can't afford to pay that. So you're paying these premiums and every month, right? And then on top of that, if something happens, you need the money to go and pay the co-pays, pay the deductibles. I have a friend who has a $1,000 per incident deductible. So he's paying all of this money every month. And then if something happens, you have to pay $1,000 plus a copay before your insurance even kicks in. It's crazy. And you compare that to something like Medicare for all, where people all often ask, how are you going to pay for that? 
Well, the proposal for Medicare for all is $3.5 trillion a year. It's a lot of money, right? Yeah. How are you going to pay for it? Well, you start to change that. How do you pay for a question if you knew that the current system is costing us $5 trillion a year? Medicare for all would save us money. It would, it would cost less than the current system. Isn't that crazy? So then why is it so hard to get this shit going? Well, because what you're like, like you're telling me this, I'm like, fucking do it. Exactly. <laughs> it's the, it's the greed of the insurance companies. Basically when you're paying for, and people say, Oh, I don't want to pay for it. Why should I pay for someone else's healthcare? Someone that's lazy and stuff. I work for everything I have and, and, and all. Well, if you know how insurance works, that's, you're always paying for someone else's healthcare with your premiums and stuff like that. You know, if you don't get sick, the insurance company is going to take the money you've been giving them and cover this other person when they need it. But there's all these talking points. You say, why is it so hard? Well, because if you're a politician that's taking money from Aetna, taking money from the insurance companies, the insurance companies are like, you better not. You better not sign that, right? And you owe it to them. So that's why it's, like I said, every problem goes back to the money in politics. People being able to take these legalized bribes. Uh, politicians being able to take these legalized bribes. But every other country has been able to implement something like this, and it would save money. Uh, there's been over 22 studies, including one that was done by Yale, published in Lancet, that says Medicare for All would save us $450 billion a year, and it would save 68,000 lives every year. And, I mean, the, who's the guy champion this, championing this? Bernie Sanders. And then Joe Biden is against it. And what's crazy for the reason I say Bernie Sanders is like a hero to me, mm. this guy, you can go on YouTube and look up videos, 30 years of speeches. And this guy's been fighting for the same thing for 30 years. And it's like heartbreaking because you see him on the floor uh, talking to the, talking to the Congress and everything. And he says, you know, the, we have this many people that have X amount of wealth and more wealth than the bottom 40% of Americans or something. And it's 30 years, so it's a time lapse, and you see him giving these talks. And then a couple of years later, he's like, we have this many people with as much wealth as the bottom 60% of America. Like, it's like you see everything he's saying and advocating for and warning against. It's happening. It's getting worse and worse and worse for 30 years. And now we're at this point where it's like, Three people in the country own more wealth than the bottom 50% of Americans. Three, three people in this country have more wealth. More wealth than the 50%. And 50% of, like, what Like what do you mean? Like, lower class? Like, like or just take, everybody? Take half the people in this country uh -huh. and put all their money together, and it would be equivalent to what these three people have, like the Walton families that own Sam's Club and Jeez, Walmart and stuff Christ. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, dude. It's 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 obviously very important shit, um, and I love that you're talking about it because I, I can't talk about this shit because I don't know what I'm talking about. But it just makes me like... It, it, maybe this is why I avoid it. It's I'm not afraid to talk about it, let other people talk about it, but it's just... It, 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 it infuriates me. How are you oh, so yeah. calm? Like you're no, so calm, it's, cool, and it's collected. It's super frustrating. 
And I just feel like the Democrats, if they go forward, okay, if your plan is to get Donald Trump out of office, because whether you like him or not, and like he, he's he's a funny guy, right? Oh, he's the you funniest to, fucker ever. He's crazy. He's funny. <laughs> but what's not funny is rolling back like environmental regulations and stuff like that. The actual things that he's doing are damaging. Like there's... And it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or not. Like you have to admit, there's no good that's going to come out of rolling back environmental regulations. And they say, oh, they're burden burdensome on big industries. Well, I'd like to breathe. I think that's a little more important than your profit motives. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Donald Trump allowed asbestos back in the country, a known carcinogenic. Like, what good is that doing anybody except Russia, right? And I don't want to get into like Russia Gate or all these conspiracies, but. Um, you can look this up. This is going to blow your mind. Go ahead. So asbestos comes from, uh, I think, a town in Russia called asbestos or something like that. And so he allows it back into the country. They start shipping it back into the country with stamps of Donald Trump's face on the product. Like, that's how much they're happy about it. I, You could Google this like and see the pictures of the, the stuff with his face on it. Um, Damn. But yeah, like, who is that helping, right? So anyway, let's say your goal is to get Donald Trump out of office, then the Democrats are walking themselves off a cliff by choosing Joe Biden, I think, because Joe Biden is a moderate. Joe Biden, they call him status quo Joe. He, the best thing that he can offer is, I'm not Donald Trump, and a return to the status quo that there was before. But I would argue that the status quo is what created the path for Donald Trump because oh, yeah. he was the outsider, the populist. He was going to drain the swamp. Um, so Joe Biden's like, yeah, let's go back to those times. And it's like, no, those times weren't good enough. You look at how Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton and he attacked her on her terrible record. She voted for the Iraq war. She was in favor of terrible trade agreements like NAFTA. Joe Biden has a record that mimics Hillary Clinton's. At least Hillary Clinton had a an excited base behind her. Joe Biden doesn't have that. Joe Biden's a moderate. Every time we run a moderate candidate, they lose. Look at Hillary Clinton. Before her, it was Al Gore, John Kerry, Walter Mondale. It's like they refuse to learn from their own mistakes. Co compare that to Bernie Sanders, who had a few bad votes on the Brady Bill. But other than that, like probably the most honest clean politician in our lifetime and most consistent, right? Like who do you really trust? Is it the guy that's been saying the same thing for 30 years or the guy that voted against gay marriage in the past, um, voted for the Iraq war, went against Anita Hill? Yeah, it's, I just think that Joe Biden as the nominee is automatically four more years of Trump. Have you seen, because um, I asked you, uh, I think it was off air about Rogan. Have you seen Bernie Sanders on the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah. That yeah. was, that, it was good. It was good. I uh, I mean, and clearly Rogan's for, I think, I think he's. He, yeah. So he said that. He's faced some controversy about it. But Yeah. Well, and Bernie Sanders got a lot of controversy about it because they were like, how could you accept an endorsement from Joe Rogan? He's made fun of the LGBT community and he's done all these terrible things. Um. But isn't that what the Democrats are always talking about is unity and like bringing uh, people together. We need someone that's going to unify everyone to go against Donald Trump. Joe Rogan is not the typical Democratic 
fanboy, right? Like you wouldn't see him. I think he's probably more libertarian. You might know more than me. He, he it's weird. I think he just, I, I, I don't know what he calls it. I think he just kind of is in the middle. Maybe an independent or, Maybe. or no party affiliation. Yeah. But yeah, for him, someone like that to be like, this, this is a great guy. He says, you can shine a spotlight on anyone in their darkest moments or something, you'll find something bad. And he's like, having said that, there's not much on Bernie. There's not like the guy's just so clean. And you, you probably wouldn't know it when you watch regular media, when you watch the regular news, because Joe Biden is their guy. Like they're rallying behind him because who owns the media companies, corporations, like, Mm, right. And who, okay. We want to talk about, Medicare for all and the pharmaceutical companies who's placing ads on those news stations. How many news, how many, uh, you know, like look, Stevia side effects may include like whatever, right? They're the ones that are paying these, um, TV companies to run ads. So the news there now they kind of have a conflict of interest because if they want to talk about, going against the pharmaceutical companies and they want to talk about um, Medicare for all, then those companies could be like, hey, we, we're going to pull our ads from you. We're going to stop giving you our money. And it's like, no, oh, no, we won't do that. So. And yes, this is still a mentalism podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, I was telling you, man, you, uh, if, if this mentalism thing just, Flat, like flat, like flails and dies, dude. You got a you got a serious future going ahead in, in terms of what you can fall back on. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate politics because it, it's so dirty. But I think we need to know what's going on and and like be ready. You know, of a hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm happy that you talked about it on here because I mean, I know a lot of my audience, you know, probably is. Like they haven't been vocal about it, but they're probably like, can we get some actual, like maybe some serious talk on here? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's good. You might have, I mean, you educated me. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you did something today. (laughs) Um, One thing I definitely did want to ask you about because this goes to the COVID-19 thing and see what you think about it. This whole idea that we're all going to get a magic check, right? Yeah. That's the that's the plan. We're all going to get a mat, or most are going to get a magic check. Right now, they're talking about a means test, which is the Democrats doing it, which you wouldn't think. Like Nancy Pelosi, she's dead wrong on this. She's trying to do a means test and say like, oh, well, people that make X amount of money shouldn't receive it or something. But people need that check now. Like everything's frozen. They have except their bills. They they probably can't make income. They're at home, whatever, but they need to pay their bills. So they need that check. If you want to do a means test, do it after the fact. Say, okay, these people make enough money. We'll, we'll tax them on it, right? But for now, they just need to pay their bills. Uh, it's kind of like, being compared to UBI, Universal Basic Income, which Andrew Yang championed. Do you know about that? So he ran on the Democratic side saying everybody should get a check for $1,000 every month from the government. It's Universal Basic Income because it just is something to bring you above complete poverty. Um, Martin Luther King champion this. Martin Luther King advocated for a form of universal basic income to help balance it out, right? So for instance, if you're super wealthy, $1,000 a month 
won't help you much. But if you're completely poor, that thousand dollars is a huge, huge thing. It could tip the scales for you. It could help you grow. Um, but money is what keeps everything together. So if you start handing out money, right? What, like that's a, like that like like there's a gray area there, correct? Like it's like this, money is what keeps this world spinning. You take money out, we're purging. Like we're the purge, right? You know what I mean. So now you start handing money, like you like oh here you get a thousand, you get a thousand. I don't care what you do, I don't care what you do. You everybody gets a thousand. It's like where's the value in that? There's no. You didn't work for it. You didn't do anything. Just because you were born, you get a thousand. Yeah, I mean, like that, UBI is not something that I've looked, I've really, you know, it's not something that I'm like, yeah, we need UBI right now and stuff. I get I get it, especially right now in, in terms of the coronavirus because, so Bernie Sanders, for instance, is calling for more than that $1,000. $1,000 is barely minimum wage. So if you really need to pay your bills and everything for a whole month, $1,000, and let's say you do have a hospital bill, we haven't gotten a bill through that says that treatment for the coronavirus is going to be free yet. So just think about this. You're at home, you have the symptoms of the coronavirus and now they're finally saying testing will be free when the tests are available. Okay. Let's say you go and get tested and you found out you have coronavirus. Then the best thing you can do is lock yourself in a room because treatment's not going to be free. So you know, maybe before testing was free, there's someone that had the symptoms and they wouldn't even get tested for it. They wouldn't even have any confirmation. So Bernie Sanders right now is calling for, we need free testing and treatment of the coronavirus. And he thinks that everyone should get $2,000 a month just at, uh, for the period of this crisis, of the period of the pandemic to try to flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about flattening the curve, right? And And why you know, people are downplaying it. Oh, it's only affecting the elderly and stuff like that. But the whole thing is we don't want the hospitals backed up Correct. at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I said hospitals are, in the U.S., we have about 30 million people that end up in hospital beds, but only a million beds. And that works out because everything's paced out. Not Correct. everyone's there at once. Yeah. But if a huge portion of the population gets sick at one time, mm -hmm. now the hospitals are overwhelmed. You get into a car crash. Something happens. Yeah. Unrelated to coronavirus, well, we can't squeeze you in. The hospitals are still full. So Yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people aren't are, are like. You, again, you don't think of this shit. You don't think of, oh, well, what about all that normal shit? You take out the COVID-19. Yeah. What about all this shit that we still have to take care of? Now let's add in. COVID-19 cases, well, Jesus Christ. So that's, right. you know, like I've been, you know, I'm pretty, uh, um, I'm pretty, like I'm a big advocate for this whole, you know, try to quarantine. And, 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 you know, I mean, what we're doing today, I guess, is essentially like a, like I'm a hypocrite, but. Well, I mean, we're still in, you know, we're not out in a large yeah. group or anything like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much for it. Um, and I, and I understand the whole point of it. Uh, but this, but, but, but this check, uh, we have this national debt. So it, to, to me, it doesn't make sense that we have an, a debt that just in New York, there's that, 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 that clock that just, you can yeah. watch it. It just continuously just keeps going up and up and up and up and up and Jesus. Um, and, uh, now we're going to take another trillion. Cause I think that was the number that, that they threw out there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. We don't have our priorities in check. I mean, you talk about, so when we talk about those progressive ideas like Medicare for all or uh, college, you know, expansion of, uh, I think that's me. Okay. <laughs> Expanding public education. And we talk about all of these things. They always get the question, how are you going to pay for it? It's a fair question with anything, but we never ask that when it comes to things like endless wars or, you know, the military budget, when our military budget is greater than the next 10 countries combined, the next 10 biggest countries take their military budgets, combine them. Ours is still bigger. And we have all these problems at home with infrastructure. Why not be have a greater budget than the next eight countries and fix everything at home? Something like that, right? But you talk about how are we going to pay for these things or how does the checks work? And understand that Donald Trump gave a tax cut to the wealthy. 80% of the benefits went to the wealthiest people in the country. A $1.9 trillion tax cut. So that's what annoys me so much is like the money is always there, right? They can always use the money. It's just what are they going to use it for? Is it going to be what people are afraid of socialism, right? And it's not the same thing. There is a difference between socialism, communism, and even democratic socialism. They're all different. They're not interchangeable. Like people just try to do that. But we just have corporate socialism in the country, Right. Because who thankfully these checks are being talked about. Right. And you're asking me about this like it's so weird. How is this going to work? This is something that happens all the time to corporations. The Wall Street bailouts was basically the taxpayers footing the bill for these banks that were giving mortgages to people that they knew they couldn't pay back. They created this bubble. They made a lot of money in the process. Then everything crashed and they came to the government and they were like, hey, we just got rich destroying the market and stuff. But do you mind if we get some more money to like stay afloat? And taxpayer, that's taxpayer dollars that pay for these companies and corporations and stuff. So now finally, a thousand dollar a month check is like the bare minimum to, to keep people alive and afloat during these pandemics because if they're not able to make money or they have to go to the hospital, they have to stay inside, they're quarantined, that doesn't mean that they're not going to get a light bill or a power bill at the end of the month. And it's a, it's just, I mean, on a, on a, <laughs> it is frustrating, right? Like it's on another scale, dude. people say, oh, I can't understand people that advocate against raising the minimum wage. The minimum wage, do you know what it was 10 years ago? No, but I feel like you're going to say it's, the same or it went up like five cents it was 725 okay <laughs> uh today you know uh i don't know i really don't know 725 10 that, years later that is the minimum wage same federal minimum wage wow now in that 10 years has the price of has the cost of living gone up has gas oh, increased yeah. has yeah. everything else increases of course but you continue making the same amount of money, which means you're making less money over time. So while production levels soar, right, we see product productivity in the U.S., people are working themselves to death, and they're actually making less money over time because if you're accounting for inflation, everything costs more, that seven twenty five is worth less and less and less. Dude, you're just driving home the fact that <laughs> I believe I was born in the wrong time. I really do. What, what time do you think would be... Uh, I mean, I don't know, like really no time would be better, but I mean, I guess 50 years ago, maybe 
like it's just you're born into a shit time, so pick your shit time. It just sounds like we're in a real shit time right now. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm fifty years ago sounds like less shit. Maybe, <laughs> and, and who knows what fifty years from now will look like? Oh because my God, dude. one of the biggest problems that I have with Joe Biden and Donald Trump is: can you imagine four more years of climate inactivity when there's parts of Miami that flood on days that it's not raining? When there's scientists saying that there's just a giant glacier in Antarctica, not all of Antarctica, just one giant glacier already has all these cavities hollowed out in like pathways, it's melting. Scientists are saying if that glacier was to melt, ocean levels would rise by two feet. Two feet. Do you know what that would do? And like climate change is by far the biggest threat that that we have going on right now to our safety and we're not doing enough about it. Uh, Joe Biden has an F rating from the Sunrise Movement, which is basically a group of young people that want to combat climate change so we have a future. And there's climate deniers and stuff. If you're a climate denier, understand that 99% of Earth scientists are saying, yes, climate change is real. And the 1% that is not saying that, they're backed by the fossil fuel companies and stuff like that. But... I've been wrong before. I'm sure you have too. Let's say you're wrong on this. Let's say that you don't believe in climate change, but maybe you happen to be wrong. I mean, it's possible. What are the repercussions of you being wrong versus you responding to it like it's like real, it like real. it's happening? Good point. So one thing that Bernie Sanders says is I don't want anybody 20 years from now to have their children or their grandchildren come to them and say, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, what did you do to, to help? Like, didn't you know? Weren't they saying anything about it? Like, yeah, absolutely. And the media doesn't cover climate change as much because people turn the channel. It's a very unsexy topic. Like, no one wants to hear about this. They have ratings. But, yeah, we really need to do something. And uh, no other politician has a plan that's nearly as direct and comprehensive when it comes to climate change and combating it. Dude, I think you, I think you, yeah, I think I'm, um, I didn't know who I was voting for. Seriously. Well, so the other thing about moderates is, I mean, it means compromising in areas that you can't afford to compromise in. So climate change is a prime example. Uh, like I said, Joe Biden's taking money from fossil fuel companies. He's taking money from the fracking industry and all of that. He was in favor of the Keystone Pipeline. And um, it has to do with who's backing him. Yeah. So we can't compromise there. We can't compromise for on Medicare for all when, you know, let's go with the the estimate in the middle that I've seen, 45,000, the lowest 35,000, the highest 68,000. Let's say 45,000 people are dying every year from it, from not having insurance. And then you want to talk about climate change and the, the effects not just on the planet, but imagine this. Imagine you're in another country a third world country, because we do all the damage and they suffer the consequences of the worst. You're in another country, climate change is kicked in, you're flooded, your land is inhabitable, and you need to get to safety, or uninhabitable, you need to get to safety. So you'll do anything to get to safety. You'll take your family. If safety means the US, no border wall is going to stop you. You're uh, coming to yeah. safety. Like, Think about the climate refugees, people from around the world that need a place to live and, and 
are going to need some kind of safe harbor. And people don't think this stuff through. Like it's it's a problem on so many levels. So many, man. It's, it's too many. It's too many, which is why I don't understand. I don't get why people even get get into politics in the first place. Not 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 talking about them. Like get into them. I yeah, mean, I, they I, go in for the wrong reasons. I think because if you're in politics, right, and this is probably the reason that I am most hesitant about doing something like that, running for office, is because I love other things. Like I'm to a degree. I'm a human, so I'm selfish to a degree, right? And I enjoy performing, and I enjoy doing that. And and I think that you need to sacrifice that if you're a politician because you're a public servant. P- politicians get it mixed up. They think that they're your boss, they're your representative or something. Like, no, we're your boss. You work for us. Like, you represent us and what we want. And politicians get that backwards. They think they're some superhero, they, they, right? They think they're like Superman or Wonder Woman. or Yeah, they just think that... <laughs> they come know, to the rescue. I don't know. It's just you're supposed to be a public servant. Like you work on behalf of the people, not your well, own special. And interest. I guess that is what Superman does, right? He's, he's a public servant. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bad analogy. Superman 2020. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. <sighs> Fuck. Take a deep breath, everybody. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I know people are probably like, what a twist. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. The biggest twist of all. Calm down. We're going to, I think that was, I think that was a pretty in-depth conversation in terms of, or more of like a lecture. It keeps, yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. You mentioned the Bernie Sanders line and it's like, you got to think like, I think it's Rosa Parks niece, um, Jesse Jackson. Like these are the kinds of people that are out there knocking doors and advocating for Bernie Sanders, like civil rights heroes and, and people, you know, Bernie Sanders was there when Martin Luther King did the, I had a dream speech. He was arrested in Chicago. He said something like if they were trying to arrest a black woman during the civil rights movement and everything. And he's like, if you're going to take her, you're going to take me too. And now compare that to Joe Biden, who, has lied about his record on civil rights over 31 times, talked about getting arrested in South Africa during apartheid, trying to visit Nelson Mandela in jail. It never happened. And you don't see this in the media. Like, why? But look this stuff up, and it's crazy. There's a clear choice on who the better candidate would be, on the issues, on his history, receipts, everything. And the media and the DNC, the establishment, is propping up Joe Biden Joe Biden, almost every day he mixes up his wife his, his with his sister or he has some kind of gaffe or he doesn't know where he is. He thinks he's in Vermont when he's in New Hampshire. Like, it's bad. People are saying this looks like the early signs of dementia. And then the Democrats are, oh, don't say that. Don't talk about that. Don't point out his flaws. Okay, because Donald Trump is such a nice guy. You think he's going to go easy on him in the general? Imagine... For four months, all you see is those videos playing on repeat of Ber- of uh, Joe Biden, um, you know, being confused and not knowing where he is. And then the message at the end of these videos, is this who you trust to run the country? <laughs> like, they're handing it to, to Donald Trump if they go with Joe Biden. Yeah. So I never really talked about politics much and stuff. And I would know this. And I don't want it to be divisive and, you know, 
put people off. But I think that if you stick with the facts, right, like look at people's records, look at their proposals, listen to scientists, then why should you be apologetic about talking about these things when they actually really matter? It's it's really important. If you look at at Trump supporters, they're so vocal, so unapologetic. And look at some of the rhetoric and stuff that they're praising, some of the stuff he said. There was the Unite the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. This is where they had Nazis marching in the streets of Charlotte, Charlottesville, chanting, the Jews will not replace us, and, and old Nazi taglines and things like that. And there was a counter-protester who was even run over, like a Nazi ran her over with his car, killed her. And you have Donald Trump come on and address the situation, and he says, there were very fine people on both sides. Like the lowest bar in history, one side was Nazis and you couldn't even say like, you know, we won't tolerate this in the country. That's something, right? I, and and these people like cheer him on. They're completely unapologetic about it. So why should we be afraid to talk about, you know, what would actually make sense in the country, what the actual problems are and stuff like that? I don't understand moderates. I don't get it all. I don't think that anybody says, yeah, we support gay rights, but maybe not all at once, maybe like incremental gay rights. And then one day they can be able to get married or something like that. No, it makes no sense. Like these people deserve respect or they should be looked at as other human beings. Let's do it right now. No incremental change. Like nothing ever gets done that way. Yeah. Good point, man. Good, good points. And like I was saying, um, you need to start a, you need to start something. You need a YouTube channel, podcast. You gotta clearly, you're passionate about it, man. Get your message out there further. You know, I do want to start posting some more content to YouTube soon. I just haven't figured out what that format's gonna look like yet, right? Because, I mean, look at this podcast. You go from mind reading <laughs> to like extreme politics, and hey. I that's kind of me right so i don't know what this podcast would be shades of kong that's interesting (laughs) there you go i I kind of like it yeah Yeah, we'll see so um uh to kind of round it out so you know kind of comes full circle here um where is the future of your of uh, of your show and, and 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 where's all that going do you see it uh continuing on do you see an expiration date for you at some point I hope not. Uh, yeah, I definitely see it going on. Going on, um, and on and on and on. Right. I I guess what I'm asking, what are you what are you trying to reach with the show? Yeah, so right now I'm really thinking about the show and how I want it to make people feel and, and the reactions from that. I'm also shifting into a lot more corporate stuff. I was doing some college shows for a while and I think I'm probably moving towards like some of the higher price fancy events and things like that. Okay. And also maybe getting into some speaking arrangements. So I'll be speaking on April 1st to talk about self-sufficient strategies on how to succeed and and that sort of thing. It'll be really cool. I'm going to talk about setting goals and I even have an old notebook where I have drawings of things like my business cards, websites, videos that I've put out. 
And if you were to do a side-by-side -side of the drawings that were done in advance, just in the planning stage and how it came out, it's crazy to see how it's like I wrote it into reality. So that sort of thing, we'll talk about memory work. But now when you say talk, you mean because like, is this a public thing? Because yeah, so this thing this, is still going on. It's not canceled. Right. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I checked with them about that and they said they'll keep me up to date as okay. long as the latest I've heard. They say it's still going to be on, but they're going to keep the, the crowd down to under 50. Gotcha. That was when the CDC said groups of less than 50. Now they say groups of less than 10. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I probably, if they don't cancel and things are still bad, then I'll probably reschedule with them. Okay. But that's what you're, that's what you're getting into. And yeah. And then just nice. some exciting stuff coming up in the near future that I can't talk about now, but I look forward to you know, all of that happening. So if you want to see what I'm talking about and see what's coming up, then my website is kongmentalist.com, K-O-N-G mentalist.com. And then it's the same on, if you, if you like the politics, Twitter, uh, Kong Mentalist, at Kong Mentalist and Instagram at Kong Mentalist and then Keith Kong Mentalist on Facebook. There you go. Uh, and uh, are you like your own booker? Like, are you your own like manager? Like you do it all. You're yeah, a, a I mean, show, I work with some different agencies and stuff like that, but nothing exclusive. So, you know, you can reach me or my partner, Sarah, booking at kongmentalist.com or Keith at kongmentalist.com. Okay, dude. I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten this a lot in your life, but, uh, you know, the King Kong reference, but dude, fucking at least in terms of the politics, you uh, you've definitely you educated me. You've definitely, uh, uh, I think swayed me a little bit. Um, cause I didn't know who I was voting for and I think it's important. Well, and I mean, do, do, do the research. I'm going to ask you something here. Oh, go ahead. Did you, you didn't vote that? I voted last, like the, like the last election. No, but, well, you know, voting in the state of Florida happened oh, last, yeah. uh, the, Tuesday. Don't kick me out. <laughs> don't kick me out. <laughs> No, yeah. I didn't. So I, I didn't called vote. like a hundred people the day before and I was like, everyone like you guys gotta vote and <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want to let you down, but yeah, I'm but I'm not gonna lie, because you're the human lie detector. <laughs> so I've uh I was contemplating whether or not I wanted to do this. I want to kind of end on a surprise and go ahead and give you a, another moment of astonishment. But the thing is you can't so what we're gonna do is this is uh, something top secret. I, who knows how this will go, but okay. if it, if this sounds terrible, just feel free to cut it out. But sure. <laughs> I'm going to have you sign a secrecy agreement. Sign a secrecy agreement. Yep. Okay. Then I'm going to show you something. Okay. I think it's going to blow your mind. Okay. You can react, obviously, on on air on the mic sure. but you can't do anything to give it away what it is that you're seeing so i can't describe it right it's an exclusive for you for my eyes only yes but but the i think it will blow you that away. it's going on yeah okay all right so i'm gonna grab that okay so all right so you don't even read this out loud just sign yeah it. yeah all right well, well, you don't on. have to read it at all just i was gonna, I was gonna say hold on <laughs> I'm not going to read it out loud, but uh, if you want to talk uh, or if you just want me to do whatever. Yeah, he's just right now. I'll paint the picture for everyone listening at home right now. He is uh, reading the agreement. 
He looks a little confused. I'm hoping that I gave him the right agreement. Okay. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we would go ahead and sign okay, that. So here, up top. This is funny. <laughs> I didn't know you do this. Take this seriously. All right. There's my name. Now what? Uh, uh, print name. Cool. And signature. Yep. Okay, and then I, I don't know what today's date is. Um, it is the 20th. The 20th, 320? Yep. Nine, tw no, not 1920. Okay. Okay, so All basically, right. now Eddie signed this. I'm going to show him something. Dude, my heart's pumping, man. I think <laughs> it's gonna going to blow on? his mind. Um, I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to seeing your reaction to this. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Can I describe what you're doing? Yeah. All right. So he has, he's reaching below the table. I can't see what's below the table because it's semi big table. Lots of, it sounds like bubble wrap. <laughs> I don't know if the mics are picking that up. Oh, definitely pick that up. Okay. Dude, he, he keeps looking back at me. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, shit. No way, man. Seriously. This isn't like handcrafted. Like, this is legit. Yep. Whoa. Now, what's the bottom part say? Or can you not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to describe what I'm seeing, but it had like a bunch of, it had something over it that, damn, dude. That's what they look like now? Or did they always look like that? I thought they always did. I was going to say, it looks different. Wow, man. Can, can I say, can, yeah, congrats, congrats? Yeah, Congratulations, thank you. dude. Fucking A, man. I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> I want to talk more, but I, yeah, I can't. I know. <laughs> we can do a follow-up to this okay. in a few months. Okay. Oh, okay, so that's okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, uh, when that happens, you'll know <laughs> what I'm seeing. So, dude, congrats. Thank you. Um, I guess that's where you... We want to end this? Yeah, kind of a weird ending. I don't know how it would uh, go, but I just wanted to, like, this is an exclusive. You're all... I'm the only one? Yeah. Oh, dude. Awesome, man. I really appreciate that. That's, yeah, when we end this, I'll uh, I'll, I'll get my full statement out. <laughs> dude, I, uh, wow, man. It's pretty badass. Um. Look, it was a it was a pleasure having you on here for uh, for this talk. Um, I was you know excited, um, happy to make the drive out here because um, we're not in my my normal studio. We're at uh, Keith's studio. Um, definitely go check him out. Follow him. Um, like he said, Twitter is more I guess the political stuff. Twitter's for politics. Yeah, everything and, and, else. You know, and if you don't want that, that's fine. Go Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, Keith yeah, Kong Mentalist, uh, like that page on Facebook, okay. and definitely more to come in the with near future. With what he's holding in his hand, that's all I will say, with what he's holding in his hand, more to come. 
dude awesome man it's been a pleasure yeah it's been great. just like that <laughs> <laughs>